Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of The Wind Thieved Hat. For many years, Guillaume Gaillard was a successful record producer and recording artist. Better known by the moniker Pon, he helped shape the sound of hip-hop in France in the 90s, and he enjoyed a number of hits with his collective, The Funky Family. But then, in 2015, Pon was diagnosed with amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, which is better known as ALS, or motor neuron disease. There's no cure for ALS. It's left Pon tetraplegic, dependent on a machine to breathe, and unable to move anything but his eyes. And yet, Pon recently released an album of new music. He's working on a series of books. He writes a regular blog, ALS for Dummies. And as he tells me in our conversation, he feels more creative and more at peace now than ever before. Pon's boundless creativity is painstakingly realized note by note, letter by letter, using the same eye tracking software which Stephen Hawking came to rely on. The interview you're about to hear was conducted over a month via email. Pon's words are spoken by the French actor Guillaume Farré, and the sound design for this episode was created by Sébastien at La Plage Music, and I'm very grateful to La Plage for all their help on this project. You can read a transcript of the interview on my site, richardholman.com. This conversation is obviously much shorter than a typical wind-thieved hat, but it is a remarkable one. I hope you enjoy it. Salut, Guillaume. Hey. Can you tell me a little bit about your early life growing up as a kid? Was it a creative childhood? As far as I can remember, I always enjoyed creating. It started with drawing, colouring, painting. I think there is a form of escape and meditation in every creation. It provides immediate well-being. What led you to music as a form of self-expression? When did you start making your own tunes? It was my passion for hip-hop that led me to make music. I started producing when I was 19. And what was the first hip-hop record which made a big impression on you? Um, Rum DMC, Raising Hell. tune. Why do you think you were drawn to hip-hop in particular? What is it about those beats and rhymes? I haven't seen any other cultural phenomenon of such magnitude. In a flash, the whole planet was in tune with one neighborhood in New York, the Bronx. Boy, rapper, beatbox. 
And I guess the other remarkable thing about hip-hop in the context of creativity is that it's not just about the music, but about the dance and the street art and the poetry as well. Did you find yourself absorbed in the lifestyle beyond the music? Completely absorbed. I started tagging at 16. So by 19, you're producing records. What was it about producing that suited you? The day I made my friend listen to my first creations, I felt like a prodigy. Samples of the Velvet Underground and Average White Band. They were amazed, and I have to admit that the pleasure I felt for the bomb, it was going to become a hard drug. I guess it's like an actor who makes his first audience laugh, or a chef who tastes his first dish. We become addicted to that. The fact that someone likes what comes out of her head is the first motivation of the creator along with the pleasure of creating. Then come ego, money, and that kind of shit. De mars on part en croisade contre l'état avare. Représente les quartiers du sensible en France et navarre. Regard à gare sous pétard, on traque les nantis. Politiciens, repassant, whisky, gonz et c'est reparti. On se prête en bas prof, donc on donne pas de leçons. Tracheur de mon sang, émission sur des ponts qui sont. Opération coup de poing, section nique tout. Lève ton point pour la révolution. Et nique tout, nique tout, nique tout, And did it become harder to maintain your creativity the more successful you became, the more ego and money got involved? It's recognition that slow creativity. Compliments, good reviews, it makes you lose motivation. I learned to ignore the compliments. So let's spool forward now. In the period running up to the diagnosis, what was happening for you? personally and professionally. You had a young family, right? Yes, I have two little girls. As you can imagine, the diagnosis was a tsunami. I was working as a teacher, I stopped everything. I have no doubt. It must have been a pretty dark and disorientating time. How did you cope? It is quite difficult to describe. Faith has been a very important pillar. I think there is a grieving process. I had only one goal, to find peace. I've been hugely impressed by the way you've responded to the burden of your illness. From what I understand reading your blog, you have now found a kind of peace. I'm more at peace than ever. And what have you learned which has enabled you to find this peace, to go from the tsunami of diagnosis to the place you're in today? As I told you, I think faith has a lot to do with it. It's like a little light when everything goes out. And having contact with the deaf so often helps to see the glass half full. I understand you were teaching in the period before you got sick. Were you still making music or is that something you've only come back to recently? Yes, it was a music school. But when I got sick, I spent almost three years without making music. And was that because the impulse had gone or was it because of the physical difficulties you lost movement? It was rather that I had something else to think about. Fair enough. Okay, let, let's talk about your return to music and this creative period you're now in. I guess the eye-tracking software has been vital in enabling you to create. Indeed, it's extremely important, above all, to communicate. And how easy has it been to use? It's not that complicated, but it takes patience. I guess it, it must have really slowed things down. Has this had an effect on the music you produce? I think about music more because of the slowness of the process. And it's not worse. 
before I was more into action. So tell me, what, what was the first tune you wrote with eye tracking that you were happy with? This one. been great to be making music again not not just for you but for your family as well to see you doing one of the things that you've always done best i read that one of your daughters was hypnotized by this track the youngest used to lie in between my legs i asked her if she wanted to listen to my music we put the headphones on her and she kept them on for two hours half if hypnotized she even fell asleep since it's her song i remade a version of the album I've been really enjoying listening to the album over the time we've been doing the interview. So the big question I've got to ask you is, why Kate Bush? You're now just over 21 and you've made it. What is there left to do now? Everything. To me, she's the greatest artist on the last 40 years. If ever she listened to the album, I only hope that she will not be too cross with me for deforming her voice and taking liberties with her work. As I understand it from reading your blog, along with the pure pleasure of the creative process, another motivation in making the album was to prove to people who suffer from great physical difficulties that anything is possible, something you've most definitely achieved. I wonder if you have received any messages from people who've been inspired by your work to overcome their own difficulties. I get this kind of message every day. It's great to be able to help. And the album as a spacious, meditative quality. I was wondering if your own taste in music, movies, art has evolved in the time that you've been ill. I'm more sensitive to talent. I'm more sensitive overall. It's related to my pathology. I often shed a tear in front of a live show or a spectacular game of soccer or rugby. Do you think that sensitivity is also related to having come closer than most to death? I do not really know. What is certain is that the period after my coma in intensive care remains extremely strong in my memories. By definition, when we are in intensive care, we are between life and death, and I stay there for two months. I had septicaemia, pulmonary embolism, perforation of the stomach, respiratory arrest and cardiac arrest has been a lot. And do you think the period of creativity you've been experiencing since the tracheostomies connected to that time in the intensive care unit or or maybe the change in perspective that being sick has given you have you have you any idea why you feel particularly creative now this period is in me it is part of me so it must have influenced the album but otherwise i always been creative i need to create is visceral i sleep better i feel useful i give hope to some but above all I have fun. Can you tell me about any of the creative projects you're currently working on right now? I always make music, even with no particular project in mind. 
But I'm working on an EP with a rapper now. I read too that you're working on a kid's book. Uh, can you tell me any more about that? By the way, I'm also curious to know a bit more about eye tracking. Can you tell me how it works and how long it took you to write uh, the answer to this question? When I left ICU, I no longer had the ability to speak and I had to bond with my daughters. So I started writing them a story that I read with the machine every night before sleeping. At the end, they like it so much that I look for an illustrator and voila. I just fixed the letters to validate them. It took me five minutes to write this. And what is the kids' book about? It is the story of a kingdom located on the canopy of an imaginary forest. The two princes are kidnapped by their lifelong enemies, the terrible Gorax. I hope they make it out alive. So my final question is this. Some people would have been defeated by your experiences over the last few years, yet you've described ALS as a blessing and said that you wouldn't have missed this chance for anything. Why not? I used to say that I wouldn't wish it on anyone, but that it's worth living through. It's a human adventure and an extraordinary experience, even if it's very difficult. I believe that in the end what I learned is that health is not the most important thing, it's love. The love of my wife who saved me and the love I have of my family and creation. I think that's a beautiful way to finish our conversation. I'm really grateful for you joining me on this episode, this very special episode of The Wind Thieved Hat. Merci bien, Guillaume. Thank you, Richard. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to this very special episode of The Wind Thieved Hat. You can find Pond's album, Kate and Me, on Spotify. You can read his blog at alsfordummies.com and on Instagram, he's Pon Officiel. Thanks again to Guillaume Farré for reading Pond's words and to La Plage Music for all their help with this episode. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>